editing lead on Pathfinder Guns and Gears. And welcome to the Pathfinder Designer Showcase, uh, where we're going to tell you a little bit about Pathfinder Guns and Gears, uh, what we've done with the book. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd like to introduce uh, my colleagues and my, my, the designers showcasing today. Uh, uh, gentlemen, if you'd like to introduce yourself, uh, Mike, how about you start us off? Hey, uh, my name is Michael Sayre. I'm a designer here at Paizo, and I was the design lead on Guns and Gears. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to chatting with you about it now. And I'm Mark, Mark Seifter. I'm the design manager at Paizo, and I was in there in the trenches with Mike designing um, on Guns and Gears, <laughs> and you'll see me on the cover of the book with him as well. Awesome. Well, thank you. Uh, just to give you a little bit of, of, of sort of a, a kind of a rundown of what we're going to talk about today, we're going to primarily really dig into the features of the book. Uh, we're going to talk to you about the two new classes of the book, the, the Inventor and the Gunslinger, which we're super excited about. We've all put a lot of love and work into. We're going to talk to you about a new ancestry, which I don't, I don't want to uh, spoil too much. We'll, we'll, we'll give a, a lot of section to that. We're going to talk about firearms and how they're they're implemented in Pathfinder and what you can do with them now. We're also going to talk about some new archetypes, uh, a little bit about gadgets and vehicles and, and the, the, the gears and guns sections uh, of the book. We're going to talk about siege weapons uh, and, and the rules for them. Uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the setting as well, just kind of wrap up and then give you an opportunity uh, for questions. But before we, we do all that, uh, you know, we at Paizo, um, are conscious of, of, of kind of the, the sense of the community right now and how things are going. Uh, there's a lot of feelings and emotions going on uh, at the company for lots of, lots of reasons, which I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. And we, we did want to, because we're human beings, who put a lot of our heart and soul into this book, just take a brief moment to address that. And, and Mike wanted to start, so we're going to let each of us kind of say a quick few pieces, and then we're going to talk about the book. So, Mike, go for it. Yeah, um... I, I want to say, first of all, that the people who are here on this panel right now are the people who made sure that this book is going to get into your hands. You know, everybody here has touched pretty much every part of this book. We planned it, concepted it, and saw it through to completion together. Uh, I want to note that while there are some conversations happening regarding the management, and I'm sitting here between two people who uh, have manager in their titles, I want to note that Mark and Leo are amazing people without whom this book couldn't be made and who are down here in the trenches with us, hands on these books and not uh, a part of uh, outside controversies that might be happening related to the upper management in this company right now. These, these men are people who I am so proud and happy to be working with, along with all of the amazing freelancers and editors who made this book possible. And I just want to take a moment to thank all of them for what they've brought to this project. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, uh, what I wanted to say, uh, am I frozen? Jared, I'm not yes. sure. I, I look frozen on my screen. Okay, well, I'll keep going because I, I'm, I'm not as the stoic, I promise. Uh, but um, I, I just wanted to say kind of from my heart for a second that we are all hurting right now. We uh, pour our, uh, uh, our hearts and souls into these books, but I, I want to reinforce that it's authentic and it's genuine. Um, we, when you read about characters... Uh, when you read about settings, when you read about items, when you read about uh, things that you think are inclusive and, and are innovative and make the games industry better and make Pathfinder better, uh, frankly, that's uh, because people are putting their lived experiences on the page and because people are um, embodying and modeling the things they believe in in their creative pursuits. And so if you could, just for me, and, and for if you, if you can take my word for it, just pass love and show love uh, to those folks the authors, the designers, the developers, the artists, the tech team, uh, uh, the editors, anyone I've, I've forgotten, uh, the, the warehouse folks, all the the marketing folks, all the people who put their love into our products and, and make you feel excited to play them, please, please just show them love and respect because they absolutely deserve it. Uh, I have seen it uh, not only at the the ground level, but as a, as a manager. And so I just, I really wanted to say, please, please uh, stay with them because they need you right now. And, and uh, uh, anyway, uh, and they absolutely deserve it. I, I just really want to echo what Leo said. This is obviously incredibly stressful time. 
think really for everyone, it can be scary. It's scary for me. And one of the things that's really helped me get through this time has just been the massive show of support from the community, from our freelancers, from like all the media friends and streamers out there too. It really matters. And the way that that support has come matters to me too, because it shows that you all not only have passion for this and for us, but you have compassion too. And it's easy sometimes when you have passion to sort of get that off into a direction where it can go one way and, and lose sight of the compassion. But it just, just awes me with the like the Paizo and Pathfinder community that has been built and with the work that we're doing every day to strive towards just making things better as designers, developers, editors, and our uh, team directly on the products and just everyone on the ground level staff at Paizo. So thank you to the community. Thank you to everyone else. And I'm sorry, I'm choking up a little, but um, let's talk about <laughs> Guns and Gears. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Guns and Gears. I hope my my camera is working. I unplugged it. I don't know if it is, but we'll get me off, we'll get me off camera here because we're going to open it up. We're going to talk to let Mark talk about uh, this book is really unique. It's it's taken a really innovative approach in splitting the book sort of into multiple kind of mini books or subsections uh, within. And one of those is the gear section. And so we're going to turn it over to Mark uh, to talk about what the gear section offers and hopefully figure out my camera issues. So thanks. Thanks a ton. All right. So let's look a little bit at the gear section today. Uh, the gear section is one, basically the structure of this book, which is really pretty cool and will make it a book that is uh even better for you if you want to put gears in your game or guns in your game or both guns and gears in your game is that there's first a gears book like in the book a sub book and then a guns book and not only are they separated out so that you can decide which components to include because we know these are kind of uncommon they're a different subgenre by a little bit from each other and there's something that you will sometimes want sometimes sometimes you want all the time and uh we get that and we're trying to make it fit into your fantasy world as ma as best as possible while being as cool as possible with gears content so one thing i really love is just like some of the layout that um sonia morris and everyone else on the art team helped do each of these little sub books has a different layout so you can see where you are and there's just little gears and clockwork stuff going on in the background of the gears section in here we've got a whole bunch of content for you first of all obviously there's a, the inventor class that i wrote and that um was play tested a while back and we'll get into that there's an automaton ancestry that i'm going to put a pin in because we're going to talk about it at length later there's common and rare backgrounds based on gears the inventor multi-class archetype the Overwatch archetype, which is kind of keeping track of the entire battlefield to assist allies um, in all sorts of situations. The Sterling Dynamo archetype, which uses a special prosthetic and can mix and match based on the types of technology found in all different areas of the world. If you've been to Arcadia, maybe you can put some of that in there. If you've been to Ustalav, you can put some of that in there. It's really cool. The Trapsmith, which um, goes above and beyond the Staircrafter to make really innovative cog-based, uh, gear-based traps. The Trick Driver, which can um, do some really good tricks driving on vehicles. And the Trick Driver's best friend in the world, the Vehicle Mechanic, who can just really get the most out of vehicles uh, all the time. So that's, um, that's some of the things that we have in terms of character options. And then we have a just a, a ton of different um, items and other gear based stuff that comes after that. But before I get too much deeply into anything else, I want to talk briefly about the inventor. So uh, fans really liked the inventor and had a, a very high opinion of it overall, but also had some feedback during the play test that there were certain things about the inventor that didn't work. One of which was just like directly didn't work is that we had this really cool thing in the play test overall that people really liked the idea of, which was certain uh, like feats and abilities you could use. And they were a little bit unstable in your inventions. And so after you use them, <laughs> it was possible if, that if you keep using them too much, your invention is going to mess up and that mm. you're going to have to fix it for a while before you can use it again, these unstable actions. But 
we accidentally made a mistake and we released a version of unstable that just flat out didn't work it wasn't even hmm. the initial version just something happened and um you even saw on the play test because the play test asked you about something and it's like this isn't even what it says so um we we had a lot of conversations with you all on the play test about it we put out a version of unstable that in my opinion is just so much dramatically better even than what we were trying to put out before uh thanks to all of you now with when it comes to unstable actions the feats are going to give you a sort of a minor version of something you can do that's totally safe guys it's fine you know it's not going <laughs> to blow up but you can get more out of it and if you do that then that's what's going to give you a risk that you can't use that um that ability again on your invention and so it's kind of uh, it's kind of neater, and it makes it easier to take more unstable actions. Because some people are like I want all of them; they're so funny. But when I do them, they you know the only thing I can do is use it, and then my item might not let me do it again for a while. So having the always usable ability for um, for some of these unstable actions, not all of them, but it's a it's a fair number of them, is going to allow you to take the ones that have the always usable ability, use that all the time, and then. Um, move into the um the stronger abilities later on so there's that and there there's just a lot more of everything um each of your inventors is going to have a special innovation a weapon that's just a weird special weapon only you can really use right uh, armor that's just a powered armor that has lots of technology in it that is has special abilities or a construct companion like the iconic mm. here has um and we added more abilities for all of them that were based um, just some of them just directly were ideas that people had on the for, on the Paizo.com that was just like this is just too good we have to put this in here like yeah we can you can have your construct turn into a wall or like uh, <laughs> turn into a turret that has better range attacks it's like how did we not have this before uh, you're all uh, amazing with ideas we took all of them we condensed them down we fit as much as we can and honestly this class is very long and it has a lot of cool abilities in it so uh, i hope you look forward to that i don't want to um take too much time only on the inventor but there is a uh, discord after this panel and so that can be a time to to talk ask more questions about the inventor um i want to now move quickly because i gave you guys a uh, look a peek at all of the character options i want to tell you um actually while i go over to the items mike can you tell people one of your favorite like rare weird rare backgrounds from the rare background section just one oh god only one but they're so yeah, good one. <laughs> they're, they're all so good i know that's why i couldn't move on without at least sharing one. okay you can do two if you have to <laughs> okay okay well so um I think probably my favorite rare background is uh, the Saved by Clockwork. We've got this really cool piece of art that goes with it of a guy winding up his heart because he's had to have basically a steampunk heart transplant and now he's got a bunch of gears in there keeping him alive. And we've turned that into a background so that it is a fundamental part of your character. Like you've got to wind up, you're a little bit more crafty because your body has this mechanical uh, component in it that is keeping you uh, alive. Uh, and I think my second one is the wished alive. It's, it's basically you're literally <laughs> Pinocchio, right? Like you were a construct with some amount of sentience and sapience. And because of a wish that maybe you made or somebody else made, you are now a living being, but you have a completely different origin story than most other living beings. See, I really like. Right, I, I love that one. I, I also love the uh, discarded duplicate. That was one of my favorites. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, um, because I I just had this great image of uh, being a construct automaton duplicate for like a noble from you know from Alkenstar or, or something like maybe sent to infiltrate Geb or something, but then like lost and now just kind of living <laughs> this life uh, where where you look like That's this amazing. other person, but you've got to navigate. So anyway, uh, yeah, there's, there's some fantastic rare backgrounds in this book. So let's move into the items. And I want to give a special call out for some of these items, because when it comes to some of the options, like all of you know that, um, you know, we're going to put out an outline. We're going to ask freelancers to fill in certain things that we want, but 
some of these categories of items, uh, the best we could do was, you know, they, it was just a brand new category. So we had a bunch of cool ideas and we're like, you need to help us come up with what this category means to the freelancers. And the freelancers really hit a home run with all of these really innovative and cool types of gear. So what we basically got in here are a few categories. There's combat gear. Now, that, that's not always weapons. Some of it is. But others are things that are not quite a weapon that you, uh, but that you still might use during a fight. Like, for example, if you had a flamethrower that just kind of shot out Alpha's fire in a cone, that's not exactly a weapon, right? Because it's not a strength. But it is combat gear. There's gadgets. These are one-use items that the inventor class can negatively get uh, a package of each game. Based on survey data and feedback, uh, people were really excited to see some new gadgets and an optional class feats that can let you be the person who makes gadgets each day, but not mandated in the class in case you didn't want that complication added in. So we, we totally did that. Siege weapons, which um, I'm going to go out there. And I, I know, I know we're biased towards things that we worked on, right? But siege weapons are hard to do in any game system. They were even hard to do before, and like we tried really hard, and we did things that were, you know, that were good in in previous takes on siege weapons. But when Logan Bonner sent back in these siege weapon rules, it blew me away that these were some of the best siege weapon rules I'd ever seen. And I'm going to admit, I was always a little light on using even our previous pretty good siege weapon rules, but I am very excited to use these siege weapon rules. So for however much that's worth to you, I I really like them. Uh, there's technological snares and hazards. Uh, there's utility gear, and this is where some of the freelancers really went wild with creativity, and we wound up with, like, an electric eel aquarium that is just, like, the electric eels come out. You, you put in some food, they come out and get excited, and that lights up the aquarium. And it, I know it's not the most important item in the game for, like, killing a Balor, but it's just so fun. And then um, uh, vehicles and mobility devices. Not only was there a huge selection of, of vehicles in here, but just having more mobility devices, which is going to back up the mobility devices uh, from um, Lost Omens Grand Bazaar is extremely important to me and to all of us uh, at Paizo. So those are some of the basic sections. I did skip one, which is called staging technology, because I want to quickly tell you guys a little bit about the types of technology that are in Golarian and sort of how you can tease them out if your world is different than Golarian. There's clockwork technology. That's actually been around for millennia. Even in the ancient Thessalonian Empire, they had some clockwork technology. But there's kind of been a renaissance. There's a clockwork cathedral in Absalom is really working on it now. And it's still uncommon, but it is it is definitely less rare than the other types of technology because you can find it from ancient times. Then there is steam power technology. It's an extremely recent innovation, and um, it's more accessible than the one I'm about to say, but it's still like, but people in Galarian figured out that you could do something like a steam engine, but magic was just so much more efficient to, um, to heat things up than something more like a technological steam engine. You could just have a fire elemental in there or, or something like that. That's taken a while for the, the use of a furnace to heat water to pick up. And then finally, the rarest of them all is Stasian technology. That's because it's smuggled out of Irisen, and some of it comes from, like, Tesla coils from Earth originally. And so there's just a limited number that have even been smuggled. But Ustalov, which is nearby, has been picking those up and starting to do some, like, real, like, <laughs> Victor Frankenstein-style weird science stuff with the Stasian tech that's super exciting and interesting. Those are sort of your sort of your food groups for all these types of technology so i gave a brief overview and um i talked about the the aquarium lamp which is one of my favorites i also like <laughs> the backpack ballista and backpack catapult where you just have a backpack yeah. with like a little mini catapult on it that shoots off um leo and mike do you have any standout favorites from some of these sections i think i'm going to talk about the gadgets next after this but i want to see like what do you remember as like your your best things Grappling gun. Just, just oh, yeah. period. End of sentence. Grappling gun. <laughs> nice. Uh, anything for you, I, Leo? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I I loved a lot of the equipment in this book, but I guess I, I would rather talk just to kind of compliment what you said about siege weapons. 
So I was way more excited about like the battering ramp, the ballista, the like because <laughs> not not only not only is this a great use of the action economy. I mean, you talked about Logan's rules, but uh, the integration with the action economy and just kind of the seamlessness. Because I think for me, that's what's always tough about using sort of like alternate rules or like you know grand warfare type rules in a game is they don't often integrate with with just the normal pace of a game well but these really do in my opinion and i'm very excited about that because uh and there's also some great archetypes that allow you to really to embrace siege weapons and take them to the next level so uh i was probably too distracted by siege weapons uh to, no, that's fine that is one of the types that, of the that is one of the types of items in here so i want to talk about <laughs> gadgets for a moment because i really want to to stress something about how cool our freelancers are. We flat out forgot to completely tell them exactly how many gadgets we needed in the book. We asked for some other things and the freelancers were so on the ball and so on top of things that they sent in to other sections just <laughs> enough gadgets that it, that it really helped us out in, in that situation. And so um, what, what you'll see is actually a combination of many different freelancers works, some other gadgets that, that like we came up with and it's really amazing because we needed a mix that was a full mix so that you feel like as an inventor, you know, you've got gadgets that you can pull at various levels and that you're not feeling like it's it's not enough different kinds of gadgets. So there's gadgets in there for just about anything. There's like a blast boots if you just want to shoot out into the air. You can get a gadget that is like an ablative shield plating you put on your shield to try to protect the shield from getting destroyed or put some ablative plating on yourself. And then we've got like gadget skates that you can skate around in, gecko pads, all sorts of different things. So that's the last thing I want to say for the gears section. Nice, nice. Well, yeah. uh, and, and we don't just have things that are innovative uh, and you're not just an inventor and a, an innovator here. Uh, we also have lots of things that help things explode. Uh, and we wanted to let Mike uh, talk a little bit about the gun section, kind of the, the next section of the book and let you know a little bit about some of those firearms and th things that make things uh, other things go boom. Yeah. So um, the gun section of this book, like, like Mark said, this is really three books in one, right? We've got gears, we've got guns, and then we've got Galarian. And each of these books comes at the subject matter in a different way and has its own unique borders. Uh, I understand Mark feeling like the border of the gears section might be the best one in the book. Obviously, <laughs> I kind of feel like the guns section might have the best borders in the book. It's amazing. There's stacks of black powder. There's guns shooting across the page. Uh, Sonia Morris and Arts like arranged some of the full bodies so that they're like almost posed on the black powder kegs that are in the image. It's so <laughs> cool. I love it so much. It's great. Uh, and we've got a ton of stuff in here, right? Obviously, there's the Gunslinger class, which has seen uh, some, you know, innovations since the playtest. Common backgrounds, uncommon backgrounds, and rare backgrounds, just like in the gear section. Uh, the Gunslinger multi-class archetype. And then the Artillerist archetype, which I think a lot of people are going to be excited about, and which will give them a chance to check out those uh, siege weapon rules that we've been talking about. Uh Case in point, I want to say I absolutely agree with Mark that when we saw Logan's turnover of the siege weapon rules, I, I think we both were immediately like, these are the best siege weapon rules we've ever seen. These are so good. Um, and then one that I know a lot of people have heard whispers about and are really excited to see more of, the Beast Gunner archetype. We've got the Bullet Dancer, the Demolitionist, the Fireworks Technician, the Pistol Phenom, the sniping duo, which is actually an archetype where you get abilities and you designate another person as your spotter and have some shared abilities with them. Uh, if you were familiar with Pathfinder First Edition, this is kind of sort of like teamwork feats, but they're ones that you don't have to have somebody else take. You as the sniper get to help tell your spotter how to do these things and provide these abilities to them. Uh, then we have the spell shot class archetype, uh, which is a combination of some very specific feats and a special way for the gunslinger class. Uh, then the unexpected sharpshooter, 
Uh, and then just a ton of equipment. So many guns of various stripes and kinds, uh, magic ones, intelligent ones, combination ones. And I'll, I'll get into all of those uh, as we move forward. Um, but focusing on the gunslinger first, I think there's some big changes that are going to blow people away, pun intended. Um, and one of those is we've introduced new ways. If you didn't see the playtest, ways are kind of the class subpaths, if you will, uh, of the gunslinger. In the playtest, we had the way of the drifter who used swords and pistols together. Uh, we had the way of the pistolero who was more of the fast talking Western gunslinger type character. Uh, and the way of the sniper, uh, which I feel like is relatively self-explanatory. Well, one of the new ways that we added was the way of the vanguard. And this is draws a lot on what we say about dwarfs and their history with guns, but it's not a dwarf-specific way. Anybody can take it, and it makes you a tanky, powerful uh, gunslinger who's probably actually going to have a pretty high strength uh, as well, and who shoves people around, uses shotguns, and takes control of the battlefield to protect their allies and push the fight forward. Um, Possibly one of my favorite abilities in the way of the Vanguard, and the only one that I think I'm going to share right now, uh, is an ability called Siege Breaker. And this is their greater deed. They have to be wielding a firearm that has the kickback or scatter traits, which I will explain. Uh, and what you do is you charge and you smash your weapon into a target before digging in your heels and pulling the trigger. You get to move up to the target, hit them with your gun physically, shoot them, and then become immobilized in your position with the defensive bonus because you are not going anywhere. You have blasted a hole in the enemy lines, and now that is your home. <laughs> uh, a bunch of new feats. We had a lot of cool feats in the playtest. We refined some of those. We added a whole lot more. There's a lot of stuff in here that I'm really excited to see people uh, get their hands on and get to play with. Uh, Really, we didn't take anything away going from the playtest into this game. We um, we just we just added and enhanced and refined. Uh, Got to move on because uh, this panel is going to go quick, and I have signed some checks to fans about stuff that I was going to make a point about talking about. Uh, so I'm going to move past the archetypes real quick. Come to our Discord channel later if you want me to maybe tease a few more details on there because I really want to get into the weapons. Uh, that are in this chapter. So one of the things, as Mark was saying, we divided this up into three books, and even the books themselves are divided very clearly. With guns, I've got some weird guns in here, I've got some classic guns in here, and they each kind of occupy their own little section so that uh, you can be very clear as a GM, hey guys, we're only using the classic firearms, for example. And the classic firearms include things like the Fire Lance and the Flintlock Musket and the Giselle uh, and the Pepper Box. And a couple cool advanced weapons like the Dwarven Scatter Gun and the Goblin Fling Flenser. I'm just going to leave you with those names so I can keep moving along here. Uh, then we've got the Beast Guns. And Beast Guns are a look into the lore of Arcadia and pieces of Arcadia, this big continent that we haven't really touched in our game setting yet. These are weapons that are made from a uh, monster who was taken in a ritual hunt and then transformed into a firearm. So there's things like the Drake rifle, which is literally made out of a Drake and the barrel is the Drake's neck and it spits out a line of acid or fire or whatever is appropriate to the monster. I love it. Yeah. The spike launcher, uh, a beast gun made out of a manticore tail that can fire manticore tail spikes as a firearm <laughs> and and a bunch of other really cool ones there are actually uh eight unique beast guns and then if you include the higher level versions that goes up to 16 beast guns in this book right now after that we've got the cobbled firearms there's a smaller number of these these are mostly goblin weapons and these are guns that are not very well made. They're, they always have a misfire chance. There is always a possibility that a cobbled gun explodes when you fire it. But you also kind of really want to fire it because they do some cool stuff. Uh, then we have the combination weapons. And a lot of people have been excited about these. Combination weapons are weapons that combine a firearm and a melee weapon into a single weapon. 
uh, we created a couple traits to make these work. And I think the two key ones people are obviously going to be kind of curious about are combination and um, critical fusion. So what the combination trait does is it just says this is both a melee weapon and a firearm, and you can swap between using it one way or the other with an interact action. But that's not the only way that you can take advantage of this, right? It's not just a gun and a sword or a gun and an axe or a gun and a hammer or an even weirder combination. Trust me, there are some. It also has that critical fusion trait. And what critical fusion means is that when you are using it as a melee weapon and you hit somebody with your sword or your axe and you crit, instead of using the normal critical specialization effect, which is still an option you have, you can pull the trigger on the gun and fire it into them as your critical effect. <laughs> uh, and so this is going to let people, regardless of their build, regardless of whether they're strong or dexy or a mix of both, do some really cool stuff with some really cool weapons. And if you happen to be one of the people who's kind of like, well, I don't want that into my game right now, again, they exist separately from the other guns. They're in their own section, and you don't have to go into that. If you love it, it's there. If you hate it, it's really easy to not have in your game. Um, and so I said I would, I'm running out of time here and Leo is flagging me desperately to tell me to shut up. So the last thing I'm gonna do it's my is I'm gonna Sorry, tell buddy. you about my two favorite combination weapons because these are cool and people have wondered. One of them is the three peaked tree. And if you know me, you know I like weird, crazy weapons. And this is 100% that. This is an elf weapon that is a trident with the middle tine replaced with a rifle and a long length of silken cord hooked to the hilt. So you can shoot it like a gun, throw it like a rifle, whip it back to your hand with the tethered trait, reload it, and do a bunch of other crazy stuff with it. And I'm so excited for people to play with it because I just think it's bonkers and amazing. Uh, the other one is the standard gun sword. You know, I saw a lot of chatter in the Reddit threads where people were like, can these be good? They're probably going to be really low damage die, right? Because they're two weapons. And well, I will tell you the gun sword is the answer to your questions. It is a D8, whether you're stabbing or slashing or shooting somebody with it. And it's just a big beastly weapon that you're going to be really happy to be swinging at somebody. And now I am going to pass it back to Leo because I have gone over my time. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I was just laughing because an editor reining two designers in on something that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't seem right or familiar at all. Uh, I, I, I'm going to violate my own rule, though, and quick just say you mentioned the archetypes in the gun section. And there's one I just wanted to quickly touch on and which is the Absolutely. unexpected sharpshooter. And I'm just going to read I'm just going to read a sentence of the unexpected sharpshooter archetype and let it speak for itself. <laughs> You fire your gun once. This is this is a this is a, a ability called chain reaction. It's a 12th level feat for the archetype. You fire your gun once, creating a devastating and unpredictable chain of events. Perhaps your bullet strikes exactly the right spot on a water tower, causing it to flood and incite a stampede of horses, which knock over a lantern that sets a city on fire. Uh, this this archetype is all about just being the person who walks in and is like. Oops, sorry. The discharge happens, and you slay your foes in a calamitous uh, sort of a, a series of events. Uh, uh, and anyway, I, I loved reading it. I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, we've got lots of great things in both the the, the gears and the gun sections. Uh, just so you know, Mark and Mike, we're going to move now. Probably spend a little bit less than we anticipated. Probably about five minutes apiece on the next sections, just so that we can keep things moving and and get into the community's questions. Uh, but there's not just uh, uh, equipment. In this book, it's not just about uh, gizmos and 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 firearms. Uh, there's also some really awesome character options that you can incorporate uh, and play as. And and Mark wanted to talk about the automata, uh, automaton, and 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 go into those a little bit. So I'm going to let him do that now. That's right. So in the gears section, there's actually an ancestry, and I'm really excited uh, about the automaton ancestry as well because it's not just any ancestry. It's a construct that has a deep history uh, from Golarian, from the ancient Jiska Imperium. They kind of put stored their spirits and life energy in a core that, that powered up a construct. And um, it was written by Luis Loza, and it's got a full, longer amount of space for the, uh, for the initial ancestry that we've kind of ever given to a starting ancestry, which I feel like lets it get a bunch of cool feats. 
the feats have enhancements that are just like a more powered up version and then there's some feats you can take to get the enhancements on some of your other feats which is just a really i think a really cool innovation idea that Luis had and um mike is going to tell you a little bit about the fact that you might be able to see the automaton sooner than you think in play yeah, so Louise Loza will be playing a live-streamed game later this week, uh, and he will be playing an automaton in that game. What I have here is his heritage and the feats he chose for his character, uh, and what those feats and heritage do. So his heritage is the hunter automaton. This is a cat or four-legged predator-like automaton. It can walk on two legs, but when it drops on all four, it can move notably faster than other automatons. Uh, Louise's first feat is Energy Beam. All automatons have a magical core, and Energy Beam allows you to shoot a beam of energy out of your core. Uh, and that is a ranged unarmed attack. You've probably seen a few of those in our other products. So it lets you put on your uh, hand wraps of mighty blows and stack all kinds of crazy cool effects on it. It's probably a pretty exciting feat for some people. Uh, there's also arcane safeguards, which gives you a resist magic reaction. And then his final feat is the lesser augmentation feat. And as Mark mentioned, there's some architecture in here where you can augment and change what you're getting higher, uh, more powerful abilities from your lower level feats. And the augmentations are how you do that. So if you want to see these things which in action... One, which one did he augment? Uh, did he I augment believe, the energy beam to get the better I believe, beam? I believe energy beam, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. That puts it up to a D6. That's pretty high for one of these ranged attacks um, that you go on for the Ancestry. Well, and he's basically one of the Thundercats uh, vehicles, right? Because he's going to drop to all fours and fire beams out of his core, so... Sweet. <laughs> all right. I think we got it nice. in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, nice. I, I was kind of surprised. I told you five. I expected seven. Good job. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit more. So one of the really cool things about all of this is it just they don't just sit sort of uh, outside of the setting, right? But what's what's cool, there's kind of a, a, a double piece that's very nice, is that uh, you can incorporate these into your own homebrew setting if you'd like, uh, but they also uh, map very specifically into the Galarian setting, into the Age of Lost Omens uh, setting. And I really love, and I've even used it, I'm, I'm working on a, a AP volume I can't talk about right now, but I will tell you I was using some bits uh, of, of the lore section the other day because it's so rich uh, and and so so um, I think just expansive as far as giving giving folks uh, new ideas on areas that uh, use technology, use firearms, etc., like Dongan Hold or Alkan Star. So, uh, Mike, I wanted to to let you talk a little bit more about the setting, the Glarian section, and and what you think it has to offer, and how people can get excited and, and use it in their games as well. Yeah. Before we transition away from this image, I just want to say. This is my favorite piece of art in the book. Uh, I <laughs> I absolutely love this image. <laughs> it is amazing. It may not be in the gears section, but that doesn't matter. It's just fantastic. Yes. Yeah, that's um, the beast. So, that's the beast gunner. There's a couple archetypes in there, right? Yeah. There's people from uh, all yes, and they're all the characters from diverse heritages. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we've got Arcadians, we've got the uh, King of Dongan Hold, uh, we've got a Captain of the Clockwork Guard from Absalom in that picture, and they've all joined together to fight off this undead horde, which those of you who are familiar with our <laughs> setting and that we opened up Pathfinder 2nd Edition with this big war against the Whispering Titan, uh, will know is maybe not actually a literal event, but definitely a good kind of uh, <laughs> summation of what this is about. Uh, for you people who are real lore hounds, there is a map of trade routes that encompasses the entire world of Galarian. It shows you where trade happens between Kazmaron and Tian Sha, and whether it is clockwork or black powder trade. And uh, speaking of maps and things people have never seen before, there is an entire map of the continent of Arcadia in this section. It is focused on the new area that we have defined and added a bunch of lore for known as the Deadshot Lands. And that is kind of the heart of where firearms in Arcadia are from. And so for those of you who have been really excited and waiting for more information on Arcadia, 
it is there in greater detail than you ever expected, along with more pictures of the amazing beast guns that we've gotten here and cool timelines and everything else. Uh, we also have, of course, a great section talking about Alkenstar and Dongan Hold that includes some really amazing new dwarf feats. If you want to really like dial into not just a dwarf, but a Dongan Hold dwarf who spent their whole lives working on guns and uh, and explosives and things like that. Uh, obviously, we've got automatons, so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Jiska Imperium. That has a section in here. We've got a whole section talking about the shackles, the part of our world that has pirates and pirate battles, and how the advent of black powder is beginning to change the dynamics of uh, power down there and some of the battles that are using cannons and, and what's happening. Uh, and we've got a great look at Tian Shah and Vudra and how Black Powder has traded between those continents and how they've developed their own traditions and weapons uh, in those areas. Uh, but it's not just about the guns, right? Because this book is guns and gears. So we also talk about Ustalab and that Stasian coil technology that Mark brought up earlier. Uh, and we talk about Absalom and all of the gadgets that it's there. Mark, was there any particular portion of this section of the book that really spoke to you or that you're really excited about? Well, I mean, I definitely am excited about the Tian Sha section. It was just like a really neat look into the area that, um, you know, had had the perspective from a subject matter expert on some of the real world uh, spread of gunpowder technology through, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort of Asia. And so I just really liked the way that we looked at the technology and the guns throughout the section and thought about how they were spreading in the world, like sort of what made sense in terms of where it would be and help to ground it in a way where you feel like you're playing in a fantasy setting that is uncovering and exploring these rather than just like in a maybe in an in an 80s cartoon that just has every level of technology with no explanation if you know what i mean yeah. where it's just like okay this is a high-tech place so it has laser guns and ais but also chainsaws chainsaws are a main thing even though you know they're very far off from each other like <laughs> i really like the way that this is grounded and um it makes me feel immersed as someone who uh, who sometimes can be picky on feeling immersed by the lore of a setting and I, I i love it and also as you said there are there's a little bit of mechanics in here so the dwarf beats by jessica catalan were great as well yeah oh yeah the, the dongan dwarf ancestry too is just really cool uh there's uh i i fell in love with the alkenstar uh bits and the integration what's really cool to me is alkenstar is like with the brass guardians and the shield marshals right you've literally got guns and gears uh in one spot yeah, yeah. so if you really want to <laughs> integrate both books alkenstar is a great place to do it uh which is which is just super cool uh as well so absolutely Okay, so I think if, if you're cool with it, Mike, we'll we'll just kind of yeah. open up and, and talk about uh, questions. We've got some from Discord already, and as Mark said, we're going to spend some time in Discord after this answering your questions, so please, if you have more. Uh, I feel like Mark covered a few of these uh, as he was talking. Mark, do you have any other gadgets you want to tell us about? I, I figure if you... You want to, um, you know, feel free. We'll we'll pull that. I mean, if you want to. I I felt like I was running out of time on the gadgets before. So like, the cool yeah, thing about it. gadgets yeah. is that not only do we have ones that are just silly fun, like the ones I talked about, like the gadget skates where you go really fast, but you might not be able to control your turns. Um, but we also have some that are just like kind of based on the idea of what kind of thing could you do with gadgets in a fantasy world, and what would you need to do. So, for example, there's there's a set of gadgets that are a material essence um, disruptor and an etheric essence disruptor that have been determined um, and created to be able to kind of disrupt certain amounts of magical essences so that you can try to counteract magic, because that's something that people would build. And the etheric essence <laughs> disruptors talks about the ways that some of these, these um, like, spiritual um etheric spirit singers which are like sort of like a theremin type thing except for they play off of the spiritual um energy that exists in the setting uh, how they can disrupt and interact with energy and that's how someone created a technological disruptor device there's also things like um 
an instant spy that's a tiny clockwork device that can do some audio recording for you or a magnetic suit where you can repel or attract things so there's just um there's just a lot you can do with with the different gadgets i would say and i'm very excited a lot of them have multiple versions like mike was talking about for the beast guns and that also gives you a lot of bang for your gadget so like i talked about the shield plating before that can give your shield some temporary hit points but there's a first level one that gives five hit points, but then you can get the 10 hit point one, the 20 hit point one, the 30 hit point one, or the 40 hit point one. Oh, that is a mm. lot of hit points for a shield. <laughs> so, um, like, there's a bunch of different versions, and it's really cool. Uh, did you have one that you liked in particular, Leo, that, that was not one of the ones I mentioned, or is it one of the ones I, I stole? <laughs> no, I, I pretty much liked everything you said, honestly, not to, awesome. not to be. I... <laughs> Um, I was so I really liked the changes we made to the inventor personally. Um, I there's a there's a question uh, that Mark, if you want to uh, kind of add to this, but uh, I will say the for me uh, personally the changes I thought and kind of how I saw Overdrive evolve and what we did with it. Like you talked about uh, risk and reward uh, specifically as sort of core core pieces to the the inventor and, and what we do with the inventor. And, and I, I personally geeked out a lot in the gear section just over um, how I saw the inventor really lean into that. And I really want to play one. I really want to play one because of that uh, and kind of the, the subtle piece of that. So if you want to speak about uh, any of those things, feel free. Sure. But, uh, so I did already talk about unstable, but if, if you, um, you're right that um, people kind of, a lot of people had some kind of like they liked some of the general direction of overdrive but some of the specifics were kind of sticking with them and we saw that on the yeah. free responses um and so overdrive is a different ability for those of you who weren't in the play test where you kind of crank up your gizmos and just attach everything on and once you've activated this then you are going to get um just extra benefit that's based on your intelligence and you use a crafting check to do it, also based on your intelligence. It's very intelligence-based. So it's it's subtle, but we made changes to just make it feel like it makes more sense. So once per round, you try to activate Overdrive. On a critical success, you're going to um, add da additional damage equal to your intelligence modifier for a minute. And then your gizmos cooldown. On a success, it's similar, except you add half your intelligence modifier. On a failure, you make a miscalculation and nothing happens. And on a critical failure, it explodes and you take fire damage. When you're under the oh, effects wow. of overdrive, you can try again to get the better effect. Some people were like, well, the problem is I almost feel like I'd rather fail and then try again later to get the critical success because I have a pretty good chance at it. And the success, I, I, I have to stick for a whole minute for the half damage. You can try again to get the better results and uh, a failure won't hurt you if you do that so it's not going to get any worse <laughs> and not only I... that we also um, put in a little bit more um, scaling at the suggestion of a lot of people it comes into your other features so it doesn't clog up the um, the overdrive ability itself but you'll wind up scaling it up so that you can do more damage with it too so um, i feel like that was a triumph of the playtesters giving us great feedback we took it back and we figured out just how to keep the parts a lot of people liked, change the parts people didn't like as much. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for elaborating that. Uh, I, I've, mm -hmm. uh, Aaron just sent me a bunch of questions that are coming in and I'm laughing. So if I'm giggling here on stream, it's because I love some of these. And I'm Mike, I'm going to throw one at you. I love this question. So All right. Outlaw, Star Style, Outlaw Star Style Caster Gun? Do you want to talk about uh, scar gu star guns a little bit and, and just any other? There's some questions, too, about uh, other cool uh, uh, guns that, that you like. It's amazing so, that they uh, actually asked just... about a star gun. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. We, because we do have star guns. Yeah, uh, you know, that is, a, that is a thing that is in Arcadia. These were big, powerful, ancient artifact-level weapons or near-artifact-level weapons. And we do actually have some star guns in here. Uh, one of them is... Do we is... have one star gun, or do we have I, I think, one? I think we have one that is explicitly a star gun, and then some that are in the, like, you know, was an attempt to copy star guns type, mm -hmm. uh, type realm. Um, and, and these are cool. And they do the is things that, that the like, rifle, Mike? 
That is the Rowan rifle. I was actually just going to say the cool thing about the Rowan rifle is this also ties into that new Arcadia lore I was mentioning, right? This is a gun with a story to it where it was made by Faye from a tree that grew next to a pool of liquid metal and somehow survived the poisoning <laughs> and naturally grew into what the Faye turned into a rifled gun barrel, right? So it is, it is actually the only rifle in the book because rifling is not a technology that they've mastered in galarian yet but this is a naturally rifled shaft grown from a a tree that is infused with metal and it shoots energy beams it's really cool you want you want it like you're you're going to be telling your gm hey let's go do it let's go do a campaign in arcadia because i want that and i want to be the person who has that <laughs> so. nice nice yes uh I love that. Uh, Mark, here's here's one for you. Uh, are okay. there any magic uh, magic siege weapons? Are there any magical enchanted siege weapons? Um, I believe that we had our hands full mostly just getting all the basic types of siege weapons and the more advanced technological siege weapons into the book. Uh, and there's also gunpowder-based siege weapons that are um, that are in there too, in in a in a section on that. Uh, but it certainly uh, is a fertile ground for further exploration, right? Just like Lost Omens Grand Bazaar has um, has the first uh, accessibility items section, but there was more space for like kind of um, extra cool techie and gear accessibility items. That we put in guns and gears similarly there could be space easily in a book down the line that's that has more um, siege warfare in it to think about hmm. what some magic versions of these siege weapons are it would be easy to expand them awesome and i know we've got the if it's the trick driver archetype uh but we've, we've yep. we're getting lots and of the questions vehicle mechanic oh yeah nice uh, we're getting some questions about uh, what vehicles uh, are there, uh, and I, I'm laughing at, at some of them because, uh, can we please get steampunk clockwork tanks? Uh, and then uh, one that uh, uh, just well, came in, um, I uh, mean, do, do you count do you count the steam trolley as that, or the clockwork wagon, or maybe the armored sure. carriage? Um, yeah, clockwork the armored carriage. That's co was... The clockwork hopper is a bunny shaped one, uh, bunny shaped tank. <laughs> uh, the snail coach has an actual like snail shell trolley that has like a chemical adhesives on the bottom so it can kind of like you know snail around and leave behind an adhesive trail the mobile inn is basically an armored inn that you can ride on it's not a very big inn but i mean it's an inn. yeah the apparatus of the octopus people will remember from um aquatic adventures i guess my 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 uh my one cover credit for pathfinder first edition uh, and the Titanic Stomper is um, also, there's a lot of them. A Clockwork Castle, and the most powerful is Vanthos's Golden Bridge, which is just this this floating chair that has, like, these golden <laughs> runes, like, orrery around it, with studded with gems that can um, captivate your opponents and produce protective barriers as, as you fly around on this Clockwork wheel thing. But the, the castle is a close second. I mean, it, it, the name slightly overstates its size. It is nonetheless a sizable, multiple fortress built on ten spider-like clockwork legs, three stories. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nice. Uh, probably, probably the last question uh, we're going to have time for. Uh, this is this is for Mike, I think. Uh, although Mark, if you want to uh, chime in, uh, what sort of like interesting weapon innovations or like new traits or mechanics or new mechanical pieces to the game really came from adding firearms to the game? Uh, we, we had someone also kind of ask about the integrated weapon trade if we wanted to talk about that or, or uh, some of those pieces. So feel free to just yeah. kind of talk about mechanically uh, what happened there. Yeah, so integrated weapons was actually kind of an interesting thing. We initially tried to do this whole spread of integrated weapons that had a bunch of specific ones, and we realized that no matter what we did, we were leaving stuff on the table. So we ended up completely reworking that and turning it into a, a much smaller but much more encompassing uh, sidebar that talks about how if 
you would have a prosthetic. You can replace it with an integrated weapon and how to do that. And if you happen to be an automaton, how you can replace one of your limbs with an integrated weapon and what the consequences of that are and, and how that works mechanically. And so really any of the weapons that we introduce in here uh, or that we've introduced previously are potentially options as an integrated weapon for your character. So we we really wanted to make that big and we wanted to make that something where it would fit anybody's uh, image of what it should be. And I think we did. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, firearms led us to combination weapons, which led us to you know traits like critical fusion. Um, and we had another big trait uh, that we added in the play test. We had a trait called unsteady for firearms. And that allowed us to have them hit really hard, but make them a little less accurate. And ultimately that was kind of unsatisfying during the play test. So we replaced it with kickback and kickback explicitly adds damage. It requires a minimum strength for you to control it, or you have to have it on a tripod and the tripod covers that strength for you. And that led us to making an entire section in the guns that is all kinds of parts that you can add to guns and crossbows. You can add a scope, you can add a new firing mechanism. Uh, you've got talismans that are specifically built for these things. You've got large bore modifications for more powerful scatter and kickback effects. Customization is, I think, the real thing that firearms kind of opened the door for. And firearms and crossbows, you're going to have so many options for how to make them your own in this book that it's going to be a long time before anybody wins the what's the best weapon argument uh, after this book drops. My dog got so excited for firearms and crossbows that he decided to give you a little bark there in celebration. So, uh, and, and I, I, I do kind of want to add, yeah, right. I do want to add to that. I thought that there were some really cool, like the gunslinger, right? It, it's a gunslinger, but you can integrate it if you don't want to, uh, integrate firearms uh, into your game, you can still use the Gunslinger class uh, with crossbows. I think that's just super cool because it makes things uh, really more versatile and allows GMs to do what they want uh, with with the, the things we provide them, and I love that. Um, we are pretty much out of time, so I wanted uh, to thank the panel. Mike, Mark, thank you so much. I loved working on this book with you, and I, I love doing this panel with you today. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you uh, to our fans and to our community for being excited about Guns and Gears. We're excited. We're going to blow stuff up with you uh, and invent things and do all sorts of great things uh, with these books uh, or with this book, excuse me. Uh, and uh, um, uh, we also want to thank, uh, you know, our other team members, our, the, the authors, uh, the freelancers who helped uh, create this as, as well as you know, the, the editors, designers, uh, developers, and all the other great people at Paizo that, that helped make this book a success, the art team, uh, et cetera. So uh, thanks to all of those wonderful folks. Uh, and uh, please, please consider uh, going to paizo.com uh, and uh, making a purchase or a pre-order uh, of Paizo Guns and Gears. Uh, we hope you enjoy the book. We're super excited about it, like I said, uh, and we'd love for you to do that and have it sitting on your bookshelf. Uh, the next session, just to kind of transition over, uh, is going to be catching up with the organized play uh, team. You're going to be uh, with the wonderful Linda Zayas Palmer, Mike Kimmel, Jenny Jarzabski, and Alex Spidell, and they'll be able to tell you more uh, about organized play. So thanks again uh, for your time. We, we hope you have a great Gen Con, uh, and otherwise, uh, uh, safe travels home, and we'll see you later. One last shout out to my freelancers. You rock, every single one of you. Thank yes. you so much for making this book <laughs> possible. Solidarity. <laughs>
And I'm Joe Pacini, and I am grabbing that and running with it. See, we, we're so in sync that we do everything at the same time. So I, I am the Starfinder lead designer, and I uh, worked on this book in a development capacity. Alrighty. Well, you know what? Let's dive straight into it because we have some excellent things that we really need to cover. Uh, first off, um, we introduced something quite big with Galactic Magic, a new class, the Precog. So, um, all right, let's, uh, uh, Joe, you want to you wanna get us started on the Precog? Yeah, check out this sweet art, of uh, which was spoiled a little earlier in the keynote, but here it is again, of our uh, iconic Precog a new spellcasting class that can glimpse the future and manipulate time. So we're still fleshing out all the cool details about this iconic. So keep an eye out for her backstory and uh, fiction that'll come in the future. We're all looking forward to that. Um, the, the main new mechanic in the precog is a pre-roll mechanic where at the each day, if you're a precog, you get to roll some d20s, some 20-sided dice, and uh, record those numbers. And those are your glimpses into the future. And as you go through your adventuring day, uh, you can use those roles in place of other roles or other numbers. Um, so, for example, you know, as you grow in power, you can use it on more and more things. So you could start out using it on ability checks and some skill checks, and then eventually all skill checks and even attack rolls. So if you roll that, that they're called paradoxes. If you roll that 20 paradox, you can save it for that exact moment where you knew this was going to happen. Um, and it's pretty cool. There's also ways to use lower numbers. So you might be able to buff your armor class or defensive abilities using a lower number. Um, so there's lots of ways to use that. You also have uh, anchors, which are 